Today it's time to fight, and as kids, you know, we were told, we were always told not to fight, right? As young people, parents told you don't fight, you know? You know, I, there's, there's this point where you uh, should defend yourself and protect yourself, but to be aggressive or to go and uh, be violent uh, or to provoke something like that from happening is something you, we shouldn't do. You know, we tell our kids that, don't fight, right? Tell Luke, Luke, quit beating up kids at school, right? Right. So we tell our kids, don't do that. It's not nice. It's, it's, it's a form of hate and violence, and it's not kind, and it doesn't show the love of Jesus, right? But people fight for all different kinds of things in this world, don't they? I mean, people are, are fighting for causes everywhere we turn. You, you just look at the news, and people are fighting for causes, whatever cause that may be. And so there is a time to fight, but what we fight for is really what matters most. And, and as God's people, we, we realize that there are certain things that we must fight for. There's certain things in, in the world and in the, the universe that God created that we are in a battle against, right? And they aren't necessarily the symptoms of the physical realm, but they are the spiritual battles going on behind the physical things a spiritual battle that, that go on. And so there's, when, you, when we think about this idea of, um, of it's time to fight, you know, it's time to fight, and it's time for all of us to engage in a battle, in the battle with Christ. There's uh, four things that kind of jump off the page, for me anyway, when I think about this thing. The first thing is this. First Timothy, Paul says in First Timothy, at the end of uh, First Timothy chapter 6, Paul's talking to Timothy there, and he says uh, these words. Check out these words. He says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So Paul says to Timothy, the fight is for our faith. There's a battle to be fought, and when we decide to jump into the fight, it's about our faith. Paul says, you took hold of eternal life, right? Paul says, Timothy, you grabbed on to Jesus. You accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. You made that good confession in front of other people that He is your Lord and your Savior, and you have embraced the faith of God. Right? You have embraced Jesus and all that God stands for and what God has done for us as human beings. And he says, you fight the good fight of faith. And so right off the bat, we begin to realize that our fight is not just any fight. Our fight is for our faith. It's about the faith of Jesus. And now it's not like God needs us to defend his faith either. It's about us fighting to remain in him. It's not about us having to stand up or stick up for God. God doesn't need you to do that. He's more than capable of handling that. What we do fight for is that we would remain in the faith because there's so many things coming up against us, right? So many things trying to pull us away from the faith. And so first, right off the bat, we realize that the fight is for the faith. Second thing is this, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, I know it says 14, but it's verse 4, Paul writes again, he says, for the weapons... The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And so we realize that the battle, the battle is spiritual and it's not physical. Right? That's important. As we go out to fight, we're not just fighting everything and anything or any cause that, that's out there, because there's plenty of them to jump on. But our, our battle is a spiritual battle. 
It's not a, against physical things. The physical things are just the, 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 the symptoms, the physical symptoms in the world that people go to battle against. But we realize that our battle that we fight is a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. And the third thing we see that jumps out to me when we think about it being time to fight is this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, Paul says this. He says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And so we realize that in this battle, there is, there is weaponry to put on. There is an armor that God gives us that we put on that will allow us to fight the spiritual battles for the faith. Okay, And without the armor of God, without the weaponry of God, you can't fight that battle, right? So when we think about the fact that it's time to fight and we live in a world where darkness continues to push out the things of God and the truth of God and the ways of God, as we see this cloud like coming over everything and anything in this world that is good and right and true, God calls us to stand and fight, but to fight for him to fight with the things that he has given us to fight with. And that's the only way that we can fight. That's the only way that we will be able to hold our ground. As Christians, we, we know that there's a time to fight. Solomon said there's a time for everything under the sun, under the heavens. And, and for us, it's time to fight. The fourth thing that just kind of jumps out is in Galatians. Paul says it like this. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. We have been set free to be free, to experience freedom in Christ, to live on this earth in the presence of God and to, to live abundant life in this world. And so we realize that, that uh, spiritual freedom comes at a price, right? And we know what it costs Jesus to give us life, right? We know what it costs Jesus to give us freedom, it cost him everything that he is, right? He cost him his entire life, every ounce of blood that Jesus would leave heaven and come to earth and die on a cross for you and me so that we can be set free. Jesus went to battle for us. He fought the fight for you and me. And so we think about those things that, that the battle is, is spiritual and, and that there's weaponry and it's about freedom and we're fighting for our faith. Those things just kind of automatically just set the stage for, for us to understand that it's time to fight. It's time to fight. We, we, we lots of wars and battles in the Old Testament, right? We read about lots of them. As, you, as you're reading through the Old Testament, you read about lots of wars and battles. And at, time, at times we see God defending his people, right? Protecting his people, the Israelites. He working with his people, trying to preserve his people. And we see God actively engaged in pro providing and protecting his people. And at other times, we see, uh, we see Israel aggressively attacking, aggressively going after, aggressively engaging in battle and war to take over land. In fact, we read about that a lot in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament books of history and Kings and Samuel and, and, uh, and, we, and, and the book of Chronicles where, where we see over 80 times Israel is engaged in battle, right? 
in, the, in, the, in Joshua, when, when they moved in to take over the land, Joshua engages in 13 different battles to overcome the land against uh, t- cities like Jericho and Ai and Hazor. We, fight, we see them fighting against the Ammonites and the Hittites and the Philistines and the Moabites and the Midianites and the Amalekites and all these other kites that are out there. Lots of battles. Lots of fighting. Where God said to his people, it's time to fight. And they fought because the world is evil and because Satan uses people to stamp out truth and what's right and what's good. And for, for a preservation of people in a dark world, God used his people to fight so that they could stay his people in this world. Without them fighting, we aren't here today. Without them being preserved through time, there is no faith and light in the world if it's stamped out. And so God calls his people to fight. He calls people to fight. And there's a couple battles I want to share with you that that kind of give us some good ideas about uh, the fight and what's important about the fight. Two battles I want to share. The first one is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's it's a story about Jehoshaphat. We'll just call him Japhat from now on, okay? Japhat. So Japhat, he's living during the divided period where there's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. He is the fourth king of Judah, okay, the fourth king of Judah. The first two kings were evil kings. His great-grandfather's name was Rehoboam, and his grandfather's name, uh, other's name was Abijah. They were evil kings. In other words, they were evil kings because when they took over the land, they did not remove the idols from the land. They allowed evil to dwell among them. Just think about that for a minute. You have a home. Everybody got a home you go home to after this? Okay, good. We all have homes. Would you let anything into your home that you know is going to tear apart your home? Absolutely not. You wouldn't allow anything to come into your house and on a personal level, our lives, that we know is there to harm us or to tear our kids apart or to tear our lives apart or to to, to divide the people in the home. And the same was true with Israel. God had called his kings to rise up and to clean out the land so that they would be a people set apart for God and his use only. And these first two kings and other kings allowed the evil to remain. And that's why we refer to them as evil. Now Asa, he was, a, he was a good king because he tried to remove all the evil and the idols and the things that were part of the, the surrounding nations from being in the land. And then Jehoshaphat, or Japhat, he was, he was a good king because he also, he also was a devoted king to God and he, his heart was right with God and he strived to remove all the idols and anything that was not of God from the land. He was devoted to the Lord. In fact, he was so devoted to the Lord that he raised up leaders. He raised up leaders to go and to share the word of God with other people in the land, in Judah. That's a good leader, right? A couple weeks ago, we had our our leadership luncheon. Thank you, all those of you who serve. And and I gave you all, we gave you all a, a Burlington Christian Church coin. And on the back of that coin, it said, great leaders don't raise up followers they raise up leaders. Now, that, that's an amazing thought because there's a big difference between being a follower of Jesus and being a leader for Jesus. Right? Big difference. And in most of our churches, we, we're filled with followers. 
And that's okay to be a follower because that's what we want to be. We want to be a disciple of Jesus. We want to be followers of Christ. But, but let me strongly urge you, it's not enough to just be a follower. It's, it's important that we become leaders because we live in a dark world. And when we leave this place, we go out into the world. All of us go wherever we go. You are part of a family. You are part of a workplace. You are part of a community. You have neighbors around you. And so God puts all of us, he scatters us throughout this community when we leave this place. And what he doesn't need is just people who come back here just to listen to a good sermon, to sing some really good songs, and to go home and do nothing. What he needs is people who are coming here to become better leaders so we can go out into the community and impact the world. See, what we need, what we need to become is a body of leaders who are leaders for Jesus in the world of darkness that's all around us. God has called us to become leaders and to bring other people to him, and he's given us all a mission, right? He's given us a work to do. And so one of the other things Jehoshaphat tried to do was restore the unity between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And not every king tried to do that. So there's this alliance of nations that are surrounding Judah, and they decide to march in against Judah. Back to our text. And Jehoshaphat, what he does is he seeks the Lord. He goes to the Lord, right? That's where you go when you're in a battle, right? Right, that's where you go. You go to the Lord. And he calls for a fast of everyone in Judah to fast and to pray because these nations that have formed an alliance are going to march against us and they're going to wipe us out if we don't go to the Lord. And so what happens is this guy in, in, in Jehoshaphat's army comes to him. His name is Jehaziel. And he tells him, he says to, to, to Jehoshaphat, he says this, he tells him that you will be delivered out of this battle without even having to fight. And so the army gets themselves ready and they go to battle. And, and who do they have out in front? Do they have the warriors and the soldiers with their swords and their shields? No, they do not. They have Julie and the choir goes out in front. Sorry, Joseph. Gotta go. So the singers are out front. And they're leading the battle. And in, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15, look what it says. And he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is, this is uh, Jehaziel. He says, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. That's crazy, right? For the battle is not yours, but God's. Verse 16 says, tomorrow, tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. Love that word, right? And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, what an amazing picture of, of God working with his people and his people being ready to fight. And the result of this battle is this. The alliances turn on each other, and they kill one another. They kill each other without, without Judah having to, to strike them down at all, without even drawing their swords. And for the next three days, Judah 
spends those three days collecting the spoils. That's amazing. That's, that's, that's God at work and his people who are ready to fight. It's time to fight. Second story is a, a story that's more familiar to you, Exodus 14, Moses. Remember Moses? He, uh, he gathers the, um, the uh, Israelites from Egypt, and they, the, God uses Moses, gives the plagues. And so finally Pharaoh says, get out. And so they're marching on out, and it's about this rescue and this deliver. Uh, you know, they're delivered, and, and now they have come, you remember the scene, to the edge of the sea. And there they are at the sea, and they can go no further. And, and who's coming up from behind is Pharaoh's army. Chariots, soldiers, big dust cloud of angry, hateful people ready to crush them, right? And so what, what Moses and the Israelites find themselves in is a most impossible situation. Have you ever been in a, a most impossible situation where you felt like they're what am I going to do? Maybe you're there now. Maybe you're there now. Maybe there's stuff going on in your life and you're just like, I don't even have a clue what I'm going to do next. I don't know. I can't go forward. I definitely can't go backward. I am between, not a rock and a hard place, but I am between the sea and an angry, evil army. And they're coming to crush me. You know, we, we're there a lot. I think we're there a lot in life. And what we do, what we put our eyes on is what matters the most. And here's what happens. So, so there they are. They're between the sea and this angry ar- army. And Pharaoh's army is moving c- closer. And it's the most impossible situation. And in Exodus 14, verse 13, look what it says. Moses answered the people. Here's what he says. Do not be afraid. Wow. Do not be afraid. Are you kidding? Scared to death here. He says, stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. Oh, what amazing faith that is, right? That that Moses could stand before these thousands and thousands of people, maybe a million, who knows. But he could say to all of them, don't be afraid. You're going to see the deliverance of the Lord right now. And sometimes that's how we we need to think and we need to speak. And when something comes at us that seems totally impossible, we need to say, my God is with me and he's going to deliver me. And I believe that and I trust him. That's that's engaging in the battle. Throwing up the white flag is not engaging in the battle, right? Tucking your tail between your legs and, and, and bailing out is not engaging in the battle. And so Moses says that, and he says, you, the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, look what Moses says to them. Those guys you see there coming after us today, that vast, mighty army with all those chariots, he says, you will never see them again. Not because they're going into the wilderness or to the promised land and they're never going to see them again because they're going to be in Egypt, but because in a few moments from now, you're going to walk across this sea on dry ground and they're going to be destroyed in it. The same sea that God is going to use to deliver you, he's going to use to crush your enemy. That's huge. That's what happens when we realize that we're in a battle and we fight for the Lord. 
and we stay on the Lord's side. And so what happens? The Lord will fight for you. You need only, he says, to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? I mean, that is awesome. That's an awesome sight of how God goes to war for us. Well, there's two, two big, big truths that just jump off these two stories and other stories like this where God works with his people that just speak volumes to me and I hope will speak volumes to you today. That there's two key truths to victory in the battles that we find ourselves fighting every day. Okay, two things that happen for them that can happen for you, that God wants to happen for you if we'll just trust him. And the first thing is this, understand that the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is God's. It's his. It's not my battle. It's his battle. When I grabbed onto him and I claimed him as my Lord and my Savior, and I put myself in his care, and I trusted him as Lord and Savior of my life, and I became washed and clean in the blood of Christ and a child of God's, I then moved into the protection of the Lord's. And God always fights for his people. He promised that he would always be with us. Remember in the Great Commission, he even said, to the very end of the age, as long as time is, God said, I will be with you. In both of these stories that I just shared with you, in both of these situations, here's what we find God saying to you and to me. We find him saying, I've got this. Like, I've got this. Like, just trust me, walk with me, see the deliverance of my mighty hand. I've got this. Whatever battle you're facing, whatever temptation you're up against, whatever it is the devil is trying to like pull you away from God with, the Lord says, I've got this. He says, I've got this. To Jehoshaphat, he says, the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. And Jehoshaphat had to come to grips with the fact that it isn't him fighting this battle. It's God fighting the battle through him. And how we, how we grab onto that and how we trust God in the middle of that is what we, what we call faith. Right? To Moses, the scripture says, the Lord will fight for you. Right? The Lord promises to fight for you. And so as we approach battles in our own lives, not over land, not over opinions or materialism, but over spiritual matters, that are disguised in physical ways. As we fight these battles, strongholds that like divide, sin that entangles, evil that produces bondage, and lost souls that are held captive, right? These battles are God's. They're God's. The battle is the Lord's. And we participate in them by acknowledging them as battles and spiritual forces and then giving them to the Lord. See, the battle is fought on our knees. The battle is fought on our knees. And there is no victory without that. There will never be victory for you or me if we are not on our knees crying out to the one who can fight for us. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is flat out the Lord's, first and foremost. We need to understand that. Secondly is this. Even though the battle is the Lord's, God still calls us to be courageous and ready to engage. 
Now that's, that's awesome, right? Because we, we have a role in this. Like we have a part in it. God has called us to, to be a part of what he's doing on the earth, to reclaiming souls of men that have been, that have been held in bondage and spiritual forces that are at battle with people and situations and systems and governments. And God calls us to be a part of the solution. In both battles, people are called to do their part. Jehoshaphat's army. God didn't say, go on vacation, I got this. He said, be courageous, gear up, march down against them, take your position, stand firm. And in verse 17, he says, go out and face them. The Lord will be with you. So we don't get a pass. We don't get to say, we, there's nothing for me to do. Yes, there is. Gear up and fight the battle. Be ready to engage and watch the Lord go to work. To Moses and the Israelites, he, the Lord says, don't be afraid. Stand firm. Don't be wishy-washy with your battles. Watch the Lord work. And he said, be still. And in verse 15, it says, the Lord says, tell the Israelites to move on. Now, don't you just love that? Move on. Move on. Like, where are we going to go? Right? Like, where are we going to go? We're between, we're between the sea and, a, and an evil army about to crush us. Move on. Where are we going to go? And so what I'm picturing is, is the Israelites looking at each other when Moses says, the Lord said, move on. And that means we're going to just start walking. Let's just start walking. I know the sea's right there, but we're going to just start walking and Moses is going to hold up his arms and God's going to have to do something. And what God decides to do because they begin to move on is part the sea. And if they don't move on, nothing is going to happen. See, we, we're in a battle, we're in a fight and, we, and walking by faith means we begin to move on. We start moving and we let God work as we go. And he wants us to trust him. And the way that we trust him is not by standing here, but it's by walking there. And when we do that, God goes to work and he does amazing things. He does. So we play a role, an active role in the battles of our lives. And God has chosen us he's, and allowed us to participate in the battles. Even though the battles are his, he wants us to be an active part in it. So how, how do we live these truths in real life? How do we, this, this whole idea of the battle is the Lord's and then being ready to engage and having courage to engage the battles that we face every day? Because the battles for all of us, let's face it, are different. There's some similarities in the battles that we all face, but, but some of us are tempted or, or pulled or led astray by some things and others by other things, and the things that, that get me don't get you. And so we're all in this battle, and we all have to learn how to trust God because it's His battle, but also suit up and be courageous as we face it, as we face our battles every day. So how do we do that? Let me share with you four things. Number one is be faithful. How do we live these truths in the real world, in real life? We, by being faithful, by being faithful servants of God. That's how. Number one, faithful servants of God. In other words, we should be doing what we should be doing. 
Like, just do the things you know to do. Do what God has called you to do. Be faithful in the things that you know God wants you to do, and then when the other things come along, you'll know what to do. God will be already working and leading in your life. And we keep putting ourselves, what we should do as we fight the battle in a faithful way is keep putting ourselves in the battle where growth happens. Growth does not happen by escaping or retreating. Growth only happens when we engage, when we go forward. Take your position even when you feel like not. Take your position. Be a faithful servant of the Lord's and be doers of the word of God. The Old Testament says to obey is better than sacrifice, right? So it's not about getting up on Sunday mornings and coming to church as my big sacrifice. It's about obeying God 24 hours a day. That's where the battle is. And that's where God calls us to be faithful. The second thing is this. Number two is this. Rely on God's power, not our weaknesses. Right? Rely on God's power, not on our weaknesses. The devil is really good at pointing out our issues, isn't he? He's really good at rubbing it in our face, like Moses, who, who then began to believe it. I can't speak well. I'm not a very good leader. And we begin to make up excuses on why we can't fight. And what we're doing is we're relying on what we think about us instead of on what God knows about us. Right? So what we want to do as we engage in the battle, as we let the Lord fight the battle, and as we courageously go up against the battles in our life, is we rely on His power and His strength. We remember how God works and how God helps His people, and He promised to always be with us. And we listen to His word and not our fears. Right? We listen to what God said, that He'll be with us, not to the fears that come upon us in the middle of the moment. When, they, when, we're, when we're frustrated and when we're, we're confused and when the chaos breaks out, we remember that God said he will be with us and we rely on that. We claim his truth and we stand on his promises, right? That's what we do. Number three is this. We make a decision that we're going to be strong and courageous. We're going to be strong and courageous. We're going to suit up Remember what God said to Jehoshaphat and to his people? He said, suit up and go take your position. Suit up and go take your position. And I got a question for us. Do you know your position? Do you even know your role in the kingdom of God? Do you know your giftedness in the kingdom of God? How can we fight as an army of God's people working together if we don't even know what our role is. That would like, be like any sports team having guys on the field who don't know what they're supposed to be doing. What will happen when that happens is the quarterback will get crushed, right? That's what's going to drop back and he's going to get crushed because nobody's blocking the other team, right? Everybody wants to go out for a pass, right? You've been there, right? Everybody wants the ball. And so what happens? Nobody gets the ball because the quarterback's laying on his back. Right? And that's what happens when people don't understand the rules, is that we're not working together for the glory of God. We're just all wanting to do what we want to do instead of what God wants us to do. So do you know your role? Do you even know what your role is? Do you know what your giftedness is? This morning I've got, I've got some uh, spiritual inventories with me. 
And if you're sitting here this morning and you're wondering, you know, I, I don't even really know what my role is. I, I come to church, been doing it all my life, but I have never, I have never taken any kind of like inventory tests or assessment to try to figure out where I am gifted and how God can use me. If that's you this morning, you've never done that, and you're sitting here going, you know, I, I do want to know. I want to be used by God. Then come and see me after the sermon. I've got some that you can take home with you, and you can go through it, and then we can get together and talk about what you discovered. And, and, I, and my goal is to help you try to figure out what it is God wants you to do, whatever that is. This is not about me. This is about you and what God wants you to do. But you can't suit up. You can't take your position and you can't fight if you don't even know where you're supposed to be. It's a big deal, right? It's a big deal. Stand your ground. Be strong. Be courageous. Stand your ground. Remember the devil, he's a liar and he's a bully. And when you hit him once, he turns and runs. Right? When, you, when he knows that you're going to stand on the truth of God and who God is and the battle is the Lord's, he doesn't want any part of you anymore. He doesn't. Don't be intimidated by the devil. He's a bully and he's a liar. That's what he is. That's what he is. And he knows it. And he knows he can intimidate weak humans that don't grab onto God with everything in them. He knows he's got the edge on you. Stand firm on the rock who is Jesus. And number four is this. Remember what we fight for. Remember what it is we're fighting for. We're not fighting to defend the church. We're not fighting to defend Burlington Christian Church. We're not fighting to defend God's kingdom. God doesn't need us to do that. He's already got that. We are fighting. What we are fighting for is the mission of Jesus. What Jesus came to earth to do is what he passed on for us to carry on. The mission of Christ is what we fight for. It's a rescue mission for souls of people who are lost and going to hell because of the darkness and the evil that surrounds us. And our main battle is against the enemy who is fighting for the souls of men. Our battle is the same as Jesus' battle, and that's his mission. We are in hostile territory, enemy territory, and we are on a mission. The same mission that Jesus came. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against stuff or materialism. We fight spiritual battles for the souls of men and women. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. That's our battle. That's what we're fighting for. Not to have cool stuff. Not to have our way. We're fighting for the souls of people who are lost and in bondage and need Jesus. And so the encouragement is stay focused on the mission. Stay focused on the mission. That's where the battle is. Movie clips, that matter. There's a time to fight, right? There's a time to fight. When evil advances, leaving lost souls in its wake, it's time to fight, right? When, when the temperature of temptation continues to rise, sucking men and women and people into its destructive grip, it's time to fight. And when the kingdom of the evil one spreads uh, lies upon lie, deceiving family and friends, trying to invade your home and your space and your life, it's time to fight. And I'm telling you this morning, it's time to fight. It's time to fight. So what I'd like for you to do for just a moment is if you've got your bulletin on the back of your bulletin, there's a place there for you to write. Some of you go to town writing all over that thing, and that's awesome. 
But what I'd like you to do is just take a minute and write, write whatever it is that you're battling with right now. Nobody's going to see these. This is between you and God. What are you battling with? Not physically, but spiritually. Where is your battle? I hope, I hope that you can honestly say to God and yourself this morning, this, and you could write it in code. I don't, you do it however you want. But what are you battling? Spiritually, what are you battling today? What is it that you need to cry out to God for today? Like, what is it this morning that you need to say, God, help me give this battle to you. Help me to trust you. Help me to, 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 to gear up and to fight with everything in me, but to understand that ultimately the battle is yours. And that I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to let you fight the battle because, because victory is only guaranteed in you. So whatever that is, put something down and then, then, then write down what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do from here out? How are you going to continue to fight this battle? Victory will only come on our knees when we let God have all of it, when we let him have it all. Father, we love you so much. And God, I pray right now that as we are thinking about battles that we face, not just generally that we're all here we know we're in a battle and we know that we're in a fight, but that specifically for me, for each of us, God, that you would open our eyes to what it is that we struggle with. And it may be some addiction. It may be something physical that we could say, yeah, it's drugs or it's alcohol or it's anger or it's uh, pornography or whatever we might say that it is, there's a spiritual force behind it. Help us, Father, to identify that and to know that the battle isn't against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual uh, forces in heavenly places that are coming up against us deep within our heart, within our mind, and within our soul. God, help us to to learn, to know how we give these to you, how we fight these battles in your power, on our knees, trusting you, walking in faith with you. And we know, God, that you'll give us victory if we'll give them to you. We love you this morning, and we're thankful that you've called us to this place to think about this topic. And I pray that you'll go to work in our hearts, that we'll let you do whatever it is you want to do in us, Lord. That we'll be faithful servants of yours that just say, God, use me however you want. We love you so much. We're so grateful that you love us, that you came and you died for us, that we might have life. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being a good, good father today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.